Sky High Media presents Are You Tracking With Me? with your host, Pastor Dave Williams. Welcome to Are You Tracking With Me? Today we follow Pastor Dave offering some biblical nuggets on a live session. Don't forget to support Pastor Dave today by clicking that follow button and sharing his podcast. Contact your host, Pastor Dave Williams, by email at pastordave at skyhighmediallc.com.
Okay? Let me set the context because it's so vitally important. And it's going to take a little while to set the context. Back in chapter 5, Moses has given the Ten Commandments. And he's given them for the second time. Now my question is, is Moses slipping? Because he's already given them back in the book of Exodus. About 38 years ago, he gave them and he's given them the second time here. Is he, you know, slipping? Is he getting senile? Is Alzheimer's speaking? And he's repeating himself. Well, he's not. He's not. What he has is a new generation before him. And there's an old generation that has died out. And he has a brand new generation that has never heard this before. And he wants them to hear it. The old generation has died out, and you need to hear this, and the reason they died out is because they gave place to a sin in their life, and that sin was called unbelief. That's what you... Actually, the New Testament went on to say that it was evil unbelief. Wow. Now, Moses is about to lead this new group of people into the Promised Land, and he wants to understand some things about this covenant that God has given them. And Moses has a concern, but God has given him this concern. Moses and God has this big, big concern that should be ours today. Here's what Moses' concern was. He was concerned they would not take heed. They would not give place to obey this covenant. And listen to me. And passing it on to the next generation. Please hang with me today. He was concerned that they might make this mistake. Because they were no longer going to be in the wilderness. And they were no longer going to be journeying. They were no longer going to be in that desert. They were going to be in a new land. A land that's very fertile. It would provide for them in abundance. They would have homes and not tents. Can we say Amen. Land with lots of water and lakes and seas and landmass. And it indeed would be a land that the Bible said was like that flowed with what? Milk and honey. Good stuff. Good stuff. And here's the other concern. That they might forget God. And that their faith would not be passed to the next generation. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this room? Does that sound like a, a, a present crisis that might be going on close by? That people seem to be forgetting all the good and great things that God has done for us and have kind of put Him on the back burner? Well, it's with that history in mind that I want to give you these words today from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And right now I'm, I'm a little scared and I'm a little angst, okay? Because I'm going to try to quote them from memory. Here always, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. These words which I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall diligently teach them to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands and as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost 
of your house and on your gates. Did I get it right? Six verses, but oh, what a nugget. You've heard it before, haven't you? Yeah. But let's dive in, and, and I hope the Holy Spirit will give us some special ears today. The very first word, what is it? Here. Say it with me. Here. Say it with me. Here. Hey, here. The Hebrew word is Shema. Shema. If that sounds familiar to you, it's central to the Jewish faith. It's central. These verses are quoted by Jews twice a day throughout the world. This morning, thousands of Jews rose up and quoted that. They quote it twice a day, every morning and every evening. Some of them quote it three and four times a day, and some even quoted it at their death. Many of them were martyred, and they quoted it at their death. It was so important and so central. Didn't he say you're, you're, to, you're to speak of this in your house? When you walk by the way? When you lie down and when you rise up? Does that, does that get everything? It does, doesn't it? The Shema, it's called. Shema, or Shema. Shema is kind of the pledge of allegiance to the Lord God of Israel that excludes any allegiance to any other gods. Israel, the Lord, is our God. The Lord is one. This is a summons to the Jews to an all-consuming love of God. In the study this week, I never thought about these. This was probably the first words that Jesus ever put to memory. Because I have a, a co-worker where I work, and I began to question her about her faith. And I didn't know what her faith was, and come to find out, she's a Jew. And she is a modern Jew. I, I don't know if she's a Messianic Jew, which believes that Christ is the Messiah. I don't know that. But the other day, I told her that I was going to be speaking on the Shema. And she quoted it for me in Hebrew. Oh, wow, man. She quoted it to me in Hebrew. The word here, the word Shema, that's the word Shema, is the idea of hearing. And it's not indeed, it's not anything like what we say when we say we hear. How many of you husbands and wives in this room, it, it appears that your spouse has a hearing problem. Oh, I see we have connected. You know? How many of you guys have a spouse that they give a request or a command or a request and the other spouse does not respond? Recently, my wife said, Dave, you need a hearing test. I went and got one. My hearing was perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now the question is, who's worse, men or women? Depends on what gender you are, right? Because <laughs> the woman's going to say him, and the man's going to say her. But stats are all in, and men are worse. Seven times a week, the man usually responds that way. Seven out of ten. Okay? The ladies are not far behind. Six. So, there you go. Just point one in. Can you say amen? How about your children? Yeah, how about your children? They do the same thing. This word here, Shema, is the word here. And it's God calling his people to do the opposite of what I've just talked about. 
Don't just let it run in there and not respond to it. Take it to heart. Obey it. Give place to it. That's the whole idea. Don't let, don't let it casually go in and out the opposite ear. To actually hear it. To take it to heart. It means to allow it to sink in. Provide understanding. Generate a response. It's about action. In the Hebrew, did you know hearing and doing are the same thing? If you don't do what you've heard, then you haven't heard. It, it, it requires that you respond to what you have heard, not just hear it. I was so taken back by these verses that I ordered a book. It's written by a Jewish author. And he breaks down this for me. He, it's, it's about the whole, the whole book is about the Shema. These words that we are considering today. And he broke this down and it has to do with accepting it. And it means that you commit to it. It implies obedience that I will give place to this in my life. I will not just verbally agree with it or mentally agree, but I will give place to it in my life. So we have heard the invitation today to hear and then not only have you heard, but you will put it on display in your life. You bear witness to it. On Sunday mornings, I bear witness that I'm a removal technician. Because I have the blue pants on and the blue vest and the tie. And I'm ready to go. I'm bearing witness. Pastor Tom, every Sunday morning, bears witness to the fact that he's a musician, isn't he? He plays with all of his heart. He sings with all of his heart. And as I say, he... And every now and then he goes over here, doesn't he? He's a musician. And it is put on display in his life, but also as a called minister of the gospel. And he puts that on display too, doesn't he? Do we put on display in our lives that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? Is it on display every day? I hope so. I want you to know, I have not arrived. I'm still working on it. Are y'all with me? Because I don't want to induce any kind of guilt. I don't want to pass any kind of judgments today. Because I miss the mark a whole lot. How about you? I do. I do. So it moves beyond accepting it. It means that we bear witness to it. If you'll take a run through the scripture, you'll find that God's people throughout the whole Bible have a hearing problem. Particularly the prophets in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was the one. Thirteen times he brought up this thing about hearing. In Jeremiah 16, he said, your ears are closed. In Jeremiah 13, 11, he said, they do not listen. We've never said anything like that, have we? In Jeremiah 17, 23, he said, yet they do not listen or incline their ear. They don't, they don't lean in and hear Isaiah, he said, they were sons who refused to listen. And I have a feeling there's probably some parents in this room that you may have a child that way. And it's not that casual thing I was talking about. They really refused. They had, mm, you know, God's people can become that way. They just refused to listen. And he also went on to say that you have ears, but no one hears. And this one got me because we never hear about this prophet of great yoga, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1. He said, listen to this description. They refused to pay attention. They turned a stubborn shoulder and they stopped their ears from hearing. It's kind of like, 
Now for a, a little different stuff, okay? Is that all right? Here also it denotes that word Shema. See, it's not that casual, oh, I've heard it, I've got it. It denotes this. It denotes that not only have you heard it, but you guard against betraying it. You give place to it and you seek to regularly give place to it and not betray it. <laughs> have you ever been somewhere and maybe maybe at a restaurant and the service is not great and, and, and you're kind of getting kind of tired of it and, and you are tempted to say something and you do and, and the Holy Spirit is kind of said, don't go there. But, but you go there anyway, you just betrayed it. You just betrayed the voice of the Holy Spirit. Saturday morning, I was at a soccer game for my granddaughter. She's six and she's learning to play soccer. And she was going down the field. She was going down the field and she was hitting the ball, hitting the ball. And she's almost to the goal. And the guy called a water break. She's about to score a goal and he calls a water break. For the next 20 minutes in my head, I'm going, I so want to go tell her. Man, what, what, your timing, dude. My daughter, my granddaughter was on the way to get a goal and you called a water break? So after the game, you know what I did? Went home. I didn't go there. I wanted to go there, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go there. And I'm little by little learning. Little by little I'm learning. I'm going to say, oh me. Oh me. So we're to hear. They're all Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Now when I got to that word one, most people believe that's a reference to the Trinity. That he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Great application. I won't argue that, but I love to study the original meanings of the word. If you go over and look at the word one, it can also be translated first. The Lord is first. And the Holy Spirit just began to talk to me about is the Lord first in your life, Dad? Is He first? Do you put Him on display as first all the time? I did a little better Saturday, hallelujah. But I'll probably get another opportunity this week, and you probably will too. To put Him first. When He whispers that little soft thing in your mouth, when you're dialoguing with your spouse, and you're so tempted to say something, and He's saying, I'll go there, I'll go there. Is He first? So, the Sama gives us a call to supreme love for God. So we're to love from where? The heart. Not the head, the heart. With all of our heart. With all of our heart. The heart is where you love from, it's where you feel from. The heart is the inner nature of the person. It includes the intellectual, the emotional, the cognitive. And the best way I can say it is this way. The heart it's where life takes hold of you. There. You don't say I love you with all my head, do you? I love you with all my heart. With all my heart. The Hebrew word is ahab, which I love those meanings. It denotes the idea of desire and affection. It denotes the idea of the delight and endearment. And I want you to know that as a removal technician, I've seen a lot of endearment. I've seen a lot of 
I've seen a couple with one lying in the bed, no longer present, the other one who has spent years, and that person is so still deeply, deeply, deeply in love with that person. And the tears are flowing, and they're rehearsing, rehearsing all the time they had together. Great love. Endearment. Do you love God with all that? I'm working at it, guys. We all are. We all are. Soul. Some years back, I did a whole series of messages on the soul. I learned so much. You see, the soul is what makes you, you. One of the things I learned is God has a soul. What? Go read your Bible. Jesus was being baptized. The Holy Spirit came down upon him. Spoke. And he said, this is my beloved son, and now my soul is well pleased. So God has a soul. Did you know your dog has a, is a Well, let me change this. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. And your dog is a soul. And the only difference is, you are an eternal soul, and your dog is not. You tracking with me there? And we're going to love God with all of our soul, all of our being, all that we are. The soul is kind of like the operating system of your, of your body. It, it makes everything work together. It's kind of like, you know, Windows, the Windows operating environment. It, it makes the computer, all the, the, the apps interface. The, the soul does that in your body. And you're going to love God with all your soul. Now let's get to this thing called strength. You know, it says, I like the word that, that it used with all your mind. Stay with me. Mind. And when you hear that word, you kind of begin to think about muscles and, and you know, things like buff, like me. Can we say amen? There's some guys sitting in the room that does have some buff. I don't have that much buff. But that's not the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word is that every ounce of ability that you have, and everybody's got the same amount of ability. I've got a buddy up in North Carolina. His name is Jesse Crooks. And Jesse Crooks is disabled. But Jesse Crooks serves God with every ounce of ability that he has. We're all on the same playing field. So we're to love God with all of our, let's say, heart, soul, and mind. Got it? They don't only teach logic in school. They used to years ago. I never had logic until I went to Bible college and seminary. Boy, I'm here to tell you, you need logic. R.A. Torrey said this, if loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind is the greatest commandment, and who said that was the greatest commandment? Do you know? Tell me. Jesus. 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 That was the question when, when, I think it was the lawyer came up to him and said, Jesus, and, and all these commandments, which one is the greatest one? And Jesus said, the, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, you're to love him with all your heart. Jesus said that. R.A. Torrey said this, Well, if loving God with all your heart and soul and mind is the greatest commandment, then it follows that not loving Him that way just might be the greatest sin. It's called logic, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all doing okay out there. I had a professor who said, If you make your people feel good, they'll love you. If you make them think, they might hate you.
Then Amy moves to individual responsibility. These words are to be on your heart. I got them on my phone. Are they on your heart? It's nice to have a book on the shelf, but you may find yourself in a place where you don't have a book on the shelf and you don't have that phone. So that it be on your heart. And listen to me very carefully. Remember, I talked about Moses is concerned that it doesn't get passed to the next generation. If it's not on your heart, you're probably not going to pass it to the next generation. Now, why does God want these words on our heart? Are y'all still tracking with me out there? Say amen if you are. Is, is, is God telling us to put these words on our heart because he's some kind of insecure God and he's some kind of dictator and he's just got to have control? It's not that. A few chapters later after this, Moses is continuing his message to this new generation. And he again repeats this exhortation about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul. And I want you to hear what he says. This is why he wants it to be on your heart. And it's not because he's some kind of God who says, you've got to get this, you've got to get this down. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 10, 12-13. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, and here it is, and, and love Him. And to serve the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and His statutes, which I am commanding you today. There it is. Say it. There's next three words. For your good. The reason He wants that on your heart is it's for your good. Remember learning a vacation Bible school verse? Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Word in the heart. Now he talks about how to pass it on. How to pass it on. He said you need to have this on your heart first. And he said then you're going to pass it on to your sons. Now you know that's a reference to just your children and gender. It's not just the sons. It's the sons and the daughters. You need to pass this on to your children. He said you're to pass it on to your sons. If you talk up, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way. All those things. I believe, and I'll sit very carefully, and I might get some more enemies here, and that's okay. Because I'm not a pastor, and y'all can't fire me. Hallelujah. I believe this is a parental responsibility. I don't think you're to entrust it to someone else. I think it needs to be on your heart and you need to pass it to your children. I believe it enhances the parent-child relationship when you as a parent seek to impart the word of God to your children. And I think from this verse we see how it's done. It said, teach them diligently. Diligently. Say that word with me. Diligently. Diligent is the idea of repetition again and again. It's what you hate to do when they don't clean up the room. Clean up the room. How many times have I told you to clean up the room? You repeat, clean up the room. That's the idea. You keep saying it. You keep saying it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. That's the idea. You shall teach them diligently. The idea is to impress upon them frequently by repetition and admonitions. It's really not that hard. It's called regular church attendance. It's called regular prayer. It's called getting involved in ministries of the church, such as the wine, youth group, youth camp, religious summer camps. You can do it. But our generation today kind of seems to be taking that lightly. And I have a real, real concern that it may just not get passed to the next generation. 
And if I understand this Bible, that appears to be. And you know, I'm kind of passionate about this, and some of you are maybe looking at him and saying, well, he's kind of mad about that. So you know what? My parents never gave me the faith. They never passed the faith to me. Thank God I found Jesus. But it wasn't through any of their words. You will do it with your children differently. You can do it with bedtime stories, regular public worship. Uh, you will do it differently with teens, but you can do it. And let me say this, the church is here to help you. It's a good place for an amen. The church is here to help you. tell you why that word needs to be on your heart. Okay? Because children are the best fake detectors in the world. You tell your child to study the Bible, read the Bible, and you don't. Hey, beep. the best fake detectors you've ever seen. Anybody say amen to that? It's like that parent that tells a kid not to smoke and they smoke. They're going to go, what? You're not living up to what you say. You want me to do that? You do that? They're fake detectors. They have this alarm that goes off. When you attempt to pass truth to your children that you're not living and loving and giving place to in your life, that radar detector goes off. It says that you're to speak them in the house. That's where I got to thinking this week that, you know, Heart, I, I, I don't remember hearing the word of God spoken in the house that I was raised in. Was there a Bible on the coffee table? Yes. Now we don't have coffee tables anymore, correct? <laughs> but there was a Bible on the coffee table. And you weren't allowed to drop your feet on it either. But I never heard the word spoken in my house from that book. My parents were morally good people. They instilled in me a good moral ethic and a good work ethic. But they never passed any of the words of Jesus to me. Nice. But God in His grace and His mercy put me in a place where I did. You know how it happened? I was living in this little cotton mill village. There was a store and there was houses. And I was sitting in front of the store and there was a house directly in front of the store. And there was a girl that came out and what was she pretty? I whistled at her. She's in this room. It's my wife. I asked her out, wanted a date. She said, I won't go on a date with you unless you go to church with me. I said, that's black now. <laughs> but I was smitten. Okay. I went to church. And again and again and again. And I heard the gospel. I got the kingdom. Can we say amen? amen? And if you're not in the kingdom today, you can get in. You can get in. about when you lie down when you rise up and then you would think you would stop there but he said and the next sounds pretty ridiculous you shall bind them as a sign on your hand 
and has frontals on your forehead. The Jewish people, to this day, wear these things called Teflon and phylacteries. Up there. See that little square box on the head? That's got scriptures in it. And you see the thing on the arm there? Uh, it's on the left arm. Do you know why it's on the left arm? Closest to the heart. Thank you, girl. That was good. Closest to the heart. Right around your heart. So it's there. And there's the little box there up where the bicep is. And the little scriptures were there. You see, in that culture, it was an agriculture society. So they're most of the time working with their hands. So when you're working with your hands to keep your mind engaged on God, you can have a scripture up there and open it up and look at it, and then you can meditate on it. It's God-wise. Now, not that your thoughts would ever go somewhere that they don't need to be. Are y'all tracking with me? Do any of y'all ever have a battle in your mind keeping it in the right place? I do. I do. And we have a culture that really wants to throw a whole lot of things to take you there. You know? So he gave us that. Now, the one on the, and I said this, uh, you guys probably think that's really not a great fashion statement. But ladies can do a lot. Bring up the next picture, guys. Nope, the next one. That one. That look anything like the other thing? The sandals around the legs wrapped, like it was wrapped around the arm. Ladies can take things and make great fashion statements out of them. The wisdom of the one on the forehead. The wisdom of the forehead. You can't see anything up there. You can't read it. But I want to ask you a question. Is there any temptation that when someone comes walking towards you, that you just might look at them the wrong way? That you might go, mm, wow. Man, she really didn't. They don't. Mm. We wouldn't do that, would we? We wouldn't begin to analyze their, their size or anything like that. Or how they look or how beautiful they are or how not beautiful they are, we wouldn't go there, would we? But God says, I've so designed it that when you see a person, the very first thing that you see is the Word of God right there, the first thing. Because don't, generally, don't look to the face first. And then we kind of go down there. I have a daughter, man. Every time she sees me, she does she, she does it. She scans me. And she goes this, Dad, you wore that shirt yesterday. <laughs> and I did. God is so wise, isn't he? Now, in our world today, I don't think we have to put these things on our arms or put these things here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God is using a real simple principle to drive home. Uh, a, a real simple practice to drive home a principle that you need the Word of God close by. And you need to meditate on it and you need to put it on your heart. And you need your thinking controlled by it. And I'm working at it. I really am. The last verse said, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now we, we do that a little bit, don't we? You can go in the house and find scriptures on the wall. You ever been to Washington, D.C.? You want to see how many scriptures are in different places in Washington, D.C. This nation had a great start, but the way it looks right now, it's not going to finish well. It had a great start. It really is just centered on the Word of God. Uh, the Library of Congress, there's uh, Micah 6 8 that is written there. Union Station in Washington, D.C. over the door says, The truth shall set you free. At the back of the Supreme Court, Moses holds tablets. 
We have strayed so far, haven't we? We have strayed so far. Well, I've said what I felt like God wanted me to say. I want to close this message with a song. Because I want you to get this. I hope you don't think I'm some fired up, fist pounding preacher who just wants you to lay me with guilt. But I really do want you to realize that the reason that God says that we have put these words upon our heart, that we're to speak of them in our house, that we are to teach them to our sons, we are to speak about them when we lie down and when we rise up, is it's for your good. It's for your good. Listen to me. Life functions a whole lot better when you follow the manual. I want you to go home and I want you to take the oil out of your engine. I want you to put some water in it and drive it down the road for about 10 minutes. Doesn't function right, does it? This book is the operating manual. God wants it on your heart so that you can function properly, operate properly. Life just works better. It just works better. And it's for your good. How many times have you had to tell your child when it's so, so small something it didn't understand that was for their good? Don't get too close to the road. Don't get too... And they run towards the road. It's for their good. You're telling them not to get too close to the road. And this book is for your good. Can we say that? We're going to close with this final song because it's all about God's goodness. And I'll have you cut it at a certain point in time, okay? But I wanted you to just... See this, hear this, and meditate on it. Now let us go live it. I pray that we have heard. In Jesus' name, and all God's name is said. Amen. Go be in the church. Contact your host, Pastor Dave Wade, by email at pastordave at skyhighmediallc.com. Are you tracking my favorites presented by Sky High Media Copyright 2023? Beyond, written and performed by David Jane, available on Spotify. Come on.